0: a season of Red Bull dominance, it was McLaren who stole the show at Silverstone with a podium for Lando Norris and the best finish for rookie Oscar Piastri. This is the Overtake F1 Podcast. I'm Tony Desiri. Thanks for joining us. It's our review of the British Grand Prix. Coming up in this episode, we'll go over the Grand Prix, give our team report cards for all 10 teams on the grid. And then, of course, we'll talk about the big news of Daniel Ricardo returning to Formula One. Out goes Nick DeVries. In comes Danny Rick. But before we get started, once again, thanks for listening. And I hope you'll subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star review. If you like what we've been doing, if you've been listening to a number of episodes, it really does help us in promotion and, of course, in the algorithms. So we do appreciate any support that you could give us. I said during our preview of the British Grand Prix. This is my favorite race on the calendar for multiple reasons, but this year we knew that the drama that this Grand Prix could create was really not going to happen if Max Verstappen had won pole position and finished the race without any sort of mechanical failure. He didn't even have to win pole position, to be honest with you, because he'll win from any spot on the grid. But as long as Max Verstappen finishes with an intact car, he's very likely to win every Grand Prix this season. No one is close to catching him are beating him straight up. But man, the start of this Grand Prix, though, was something else. For Verstappen to slip at the start, not get the grip that he was looking for right off the grid, and for Lando Norris to grab the lead of this Grand Prix going into Abbey was electric. Now, no one really thought in the end that Norris was going to be able to hold on to that lead, hold back Verstappen for the 52 laps, but it's these kind of moments that I was talking about in the preview where you have a dominating season by one team. And particularly one driver, you tend to grab onto these kind of moments. McLaren, man, they made some serious upgrades to their car. It really showed. It showed in qualifying, obviously, with a 2-3 start with Norris and Piastri. It was a great weekend for McLaren. I and mean, you remember how the season started for them in Bahrain to where they are now? Man, there's smiles all across that team, and rightfully so. Norris led the first lap of the British Grand Prix, roar of the crowds on Every single turn, and he held that lead for the first five laps. Now, at the once the race begins, DRS is not enabled. Once it did get enabled, it was only a matter of time before Verstappen took the lead of the race. But once he did get that lead, it was game on for podium places for the rest of the field. Now, there was Ferrari. They had a 4-5 start on the grid. Lewis Hamilton, he had to go wide on lap one. He had dropped back some places. Piastri hanging around in the top three. And then there were eyes on Sergio Perez at a terrible qualifying on Saturday. Could he get that Red Bull back up through the field and maybe get a podium finish? So there was a lot of action going on once this sort of conceded that no one was going to catch Verstappen after he took the lead of the race but it didn't mean we didn't see something exciting behind them now there was some rain threatening the day on sunday it never came to fruition most of the drivers started this grand prix on medium tires except for george russell the mercedes going with an alternate tire strategy had him on the softs hamilton on the mediums and russell he made the most of them he made those things last but he wasn't the first of the group to pit and that was charles leclerc he came in on lap 19 he got on the hard tires Car- Carlos Sainz came in on lap 27, got hard tires as well. Russell waited until lap 28 to come in on those softs and replace them for some mediums. However, Russell had a bad stop of four seconds, nearly four seconds, 3.9. He came out on the mediums and could not get in front of Leclerc coming out. However, by lap 31, Russell made the move at Luffield and passed the Ferrari. But meanwhile, up in front, Verstappen had that nice cushion over Norris and Priostri, over both of those McLarens. Oscar came in on lap 30. He also got on the hard tires. Max and Norris had yet to pit when on lap 33, Kevin Magnussen's car caught on fire and the Haas's incident brought out the safety car so in comes max in comes norris hamilton too it seems obvious at this time that the tire to be on at this point would be the softs that's what verstappen took same with hamilton however mclaren felt differently they brought in lando and put him on the hearts now piastri was already out on the hards. so everyone else fighting for podiums outside of the two mclarens were all on softs There were 15 laps to go when they went back racing. So this was a curious decision. Now, at the time I was ready to tweet out, this is a huge mistake, huge mistake, but I kind of Decided to go against that Just to see where it was was Just to see what would actually take place Uh, Would it be beneficial Maybe in the later part Of the race, maybe we get down To two or three laps to go, maybe those Hards fired up nicely for McLaren And they either held their position Or gained some back as maybe The softs would start to wear down a little bit So I was very, I was was hesitant To say that McLaren has made a Big, big boo-boo here And that was also my worry that you had a great weekend again, with Norris and Piastri finishing 2-3 and qualifying, and then Lando leading the Grand Prix and Piastri holding his own, that a decision like this could ruin their day, right? Could they be passed by Hamilton Russell, guys behind them and then they would end up in you know getting points but not podium finishes. So when Hamilton came in and got his soft tires on the safety car, he was able to get out ahead of Piastri into that third position. So now this sets up this great run to the end. You got Verstappen. He's pretty secure. He's got the lead of the race. He's got the car. He's got the soft tires. See, the attention was not on him winning the Grand Prix. The attention was for those final two podium positions. Norris, again, on the hard tires. Man, he gets all of Lewis Hamilton behind them, him when they go into the restart. Lando defended so well, especially at corner and then was able to get the hearts fired up holding back Hamilton Hamilton made some runs with DRS but that's really it and like I said I thought this was a mistake for McLaren to go hards, but Norris was proving me wrong and actually so did Oscar Piastri because he held on to that fourth place finish very well too Hamilton took a lot out of his soft tires trying to make those attempts for the overtakes try to get into that P2 position in the end he didn't have enough to really make another solid run and we started started to see Norris pull away and looking like he was going to secure that second spot on the podium. Now, behind those leaders, right while, while a lot of attention was on, Hamilton trying to make that move, Piastri in fourth, Russell is riding in P5, behind them, there was a lot of action going on. You had Sergio Perez moving up the field, Alex Albon and the Williams showing some really good pace getting into the top ten. The Ferraris, however, were slipping back. They were getting passed. Lance Stroll earned a five-second penalty for contact with Pierre Gasly, ending Gasly's race. He had gotten up into the top 10, so there was a lot of action going on. The one driver that did not benefit from any of it was Fernando Alonso, who had been on podiums all season long, but now is kind of slipping back to that middle of the points, like the 7-8-9 position. So he really was not a factor in this race whatsoever. But at the checkered flag, it was Verstappen winning not only his sixth straight race, it was the 11th straight for Red Bull as a team. It was his first British Grand Prix victory. He had won at Silverstone in 2020 during the 70th anniversary, kind of one-off race that they had that season, but it was his first British Grand Prix victory and it was Lando Norris earning that P2 in his home race. Lewis Hamilton, his fellow Brit, finishing third. So overall, again, you have to look at these Grand Prix's a little differently when we start talking about Verstappen dominating races. Sure, he's going to win, Red Bull's going to win, but These moments where you have a McLaren using the upgrades and showing all those upgrades working, good fighting for those podium positions, good strategy and strategy decisions that will question, but later being proven wrong, all of that kind of stuff was prevalent in the British Grand Prix. So... This to me was the best race of the season by far. This to me was the most exciting race of the year to just throw an additional team into the mix. This is not just your standard Red Bull wins, but how is Mercedes, Aston Martin, and maybe Ferrari doing? This was, Ferrari was there at the beginning. Aston Martin was struggling, but could they get up into the field? Mercedes, same kind of question. Could they move up? And then McLaren, of course, Owning that 2-3 spot, finishing in that area, did not backtrack, did not sacrifice race pace, good qualifying for bad race pace, all of those things were on display for this Grand Prix. So I know a lot of people are starting to tune out. Some newbies are starting to tune out of the Formula One season. And I, I've been arguing, don't you know, hang with it. I know it's a dominating season. I can sell you on the dominating season as historic but I understand, especially people in America, they get up early on Sunday to watch these Grand Prix and they're getting the same winner every single weekend. But this is the kind of show that Formula One can still put on when the right upgrades are utilized, the right talented drivers are doing really well. Lando Norris is extremely popular. He is a young, bright driver that, is, that is, hasn't had moments like this in his McLaren career too often. But this is the one he deserves. This is the one the team deserves. And I'm really happy for them. I'm happy for Oscar Piastri as well, a fourth place finish. And Lewis Hamilton, who, no matter what the state of Mercedes is, gets that car uh, into a podium finish. All right, so let's go over the team report cards, and then we'll talk about Daniel Ricciardo and his return to Formula One. Let's start with Red Bull. It's a B plus. Of course, Max Verstappen winning again. It means the day was fantastic, but Sergio Perez did not get out of Q1 on Saturday, and he finished sixth. All right, so this is 11 wins in a row for the team. Verstappen wins his first British Grand Prix and his second race at Silverstone, but Perez is still having some issues here, and they need to be ironed out. Christian Horner said afterward, the team is totally supporting him, but as As we'll talk about with Daniel Ricciardo returning to Formula 1, he might have been sent a message. So I can't give them an A because Perez did not do his part to be up there with Max Verstappen, but Verstappen winning. Obviously, it's a good day for Red Bull. For Mercedes, I gave them an A-. minus. It's a podium finish for Lewis Hamilton. It's a P5 for George Russell. You had three of the British drivers finishing in the top five. That's a great British Grand Prix. But the combination, it, it, it keeps them... That combination keeps them solidified for second in the Constructors' standings. Hamilton went on the soft tires during the safety car. He could not get past Norris for a second. As hard as he tried, he lit those tires up, trying to be aggressive. After that, he just hung back in third place. Russell was the soft tire whisperer, going 28 laps on those at the start of the Grand Prix, changed over to the mediums just before the safety car that lost a position during that stretch, but he felt at the at the end, he felt like a podium wasn't going to be in the cards anyway for the day. However, a really solid result after a not good day of qualifying on Saturday. So Mercedes gets the A-. For McLaren, this is easy. It's an A+. It's the main point I've been driving home in this podcast. It was an incredible drive for Lando Norris. Took the lead. Some wheel spin from Verstappen certainly helped. The crowd was going crazy. Both drivers put on hard tires after the safety car. Boy, I was ready to pounce. Like I said earlier, I was ready to pounce with the criticism. But it worked. Norris was fantastic, holding back Hamilton to keep that P2 spot. Saturday, the team had the second and third spot on the grid. I mean, it's just a perfect weekend. I mean, the upgrades totally worked. And again, remember how awful the season started for both of them in Bahrain and everyone's shaking their head. Zach Brown didn't have any answers. And now it's all smiles around for McLaren. As for Aston Martin, it's a D. Fernando Alonso finishing seventh. So the team did get some points. He started ninth. The pace was really not there for his liking it has been there all season for most of the season, Fernando Alonso has been on the podium and putting that car up up front, but Lately, that hasn't happened at Silverstone. He just was non-existent. Hamilton was able to get get past him early in the race. And as for Lance Stroll, he got that five-second penalty for colliding with Pierre Gasly, knocking Gasly out of the race. That dropped him down to 14th. The team did get six points. That is three more than Ferrari, because speaking of the Scuderia, I gave them a D as well. They were 4-5 on the grid at the start of this thing. They ended up in the back end of the points. Charles Leclerc finishing ninth, Carlos Sainz 10th. Leclerc started on mediums after he pitted for the hards. That didn't really work out for him. Uh, They went on mediums again. That didn't help either. He gets a P9. Sainz better on the hard tires, but it it came before the safety car, and he couldn't really race with cars that had fresher and softer tires tires. So it was a it was a conservative call for Ferrari. They got their drivers in early. I kind of understand why they were doing that. But then when the safety car occurred, they just couldn't get into a groove where they could compete as cars were racing for position. Alfa Romeo. I gave them a C minus. I know the team didn't get any points at all, but for Valtteri Bottas to start 20th and earn a 12th place finish, that wasn't all that bad. Zhou Guan Yu finished 15th. Had some brake duck troubles. Pitted just before the safety car. Needed to pit again. I'd, I'd rather not give out a better grade for it. it could have been worse angle, but that's basically what we have here with Alfa Romeo. It could have been worse, and it wasn't worse, so they get a C-. minus. As for Williams, I gave them an A because Alex Albon finished P8, and Logan Sargent finished just outside the points in 11th, and they were buzzing over the weekend. There was a lot of buzz about the Williams machine around Silverstone. Noticeable speed in practice, Albon getting into Q3, The team was really pleased on how both drivers performed. Albon had a great pass of Carlos Sainz on the fresher tires, as I mentioned earlier, held off Leclerc, who was trying to get to that position, but Albon had the tires. And for Sargent, he benefited greatly from the stroll penalty that moved him to 11th. As for Haas, a D, no points, and a DNF that brought out the safety car. Nico Hulkenberg finishing 13th. He made some contact with Perez, had to pit early, change the front wing. That cost him some time. Got it back with the safety car, but it was Kevin Magnussen, the fiery power unit. He was done for the day, but it did bring out the safety car, so it did bring out the drama. It bring bring out some strategy, so I got to thank him for that, I guess. Alfertari, I gave a D. Yuki Tsunoda finished sixteenth. Nick DeVries, more on him later in this podcast. He finished 17th. These were the last two cars to finish all 52 laps of the British Grand Prix. And Alpine, C minus. And here's why I gave him a C minus, because you may be wondering, didn't they double DNF? They did double DNF. But the reason I gave him a C minus is because it was not entirely their fault. Ocon had a hydraulic issue. His day ended really early. Pierre Gasly, he was fighting for some good battles in later on in the race. Within Within the final 10 laps, was in the bottom 10 before Stroll hit him, causing enough damage for him to end his race and earn Stroll the five-second penalty. I might have to bump that up to like a C plus because Pierre Gasly was doing some really good things until he was collided with. So I'll give him a C+. Plus. Uh, but I can't give him more than that, because Ocon was out early with that hydraulic issue. And again, this was coming off the big news that that Ryan Reynolds and his investment team was buying into Alpine. All right, so let's get to the big news on Tuesday. Daniel Ricciardo is back in Formula One. Let go of m- let go by McLaren last year after he left Renault for McLaren after leaving Red Bull for Renault. The very popular, fun-loving, charismatic Daniel Ricciardo will be behind the wheel of an Alphatari when they go to Budapest. He replaces Nick DeVries, who will not have a chance to run at the Dutch Grand Prix in Zandvoort later on this season. He is out during his rookie season. He was hired after a brilliant showing at Monza last year, where he replaced Alex Albon in the Williams, he beat out Nicholas Latifi. I know, I know, save it. But nevertheless, that raised his profile enough that Helmut Marko wanted to put him in the Alpha seat next to Yuki Tsunoda. And it did not work out and daniel ricardo played this right he went back to red bull became a reserve driver and kind of was wondering where that might lead you know take a break get your mindset do some simulator work stay in the game any way you can stay in the game and see if there's some openings don't jump at the first opportunity don't necessarily take a ride where with a team you don't want to be a part of but the alfatari seat could lead back to the red bull seat and he knows that so Daniel Ricciardo played this correctly. Stay in the game as much as you can. But what about their treatment of Nick DeVries? Well, we know this. Red Bull is harsh. They are a harsh team to race for because they will get you out of that car as fast as they put you into that car. You got Alex Albon, Daniel Kvyat, Brendan Hartley, Pierre Gasly, you name it. Now it's Nick DeVries. He is on that list of short-lived Red Bull drivers, Red Bull team drivers that have been out of their rides. And, and Alpha Tauri just did not have the patience to grow Nick DeVries in that seat. You might see that in other teams, like for example, Logan Sargent and Williams, they might see a more dedicated team to grow Logan Sargent and see what his potential could be, but you're not going to be seeing that at Red Bull. And they have now an opportunity to put Dan. Daniel Ricardo back in the Formula One, and it's not too much of a stretch to point to Checo in the two seat on the main team. As we mentioned earlier, Sergio Perez is struggling a bit. And this could be the wake-up call that they're looking to give Sergio Perez. Daniel Ricciardo, a man who competed for a world championship, has got a number of Grand Prix victories, is over there at Alfa And if you don't think we'll reunite him and Max Verstappen at some point, you're sadly mistaken. So there's some layers to this that show, again, Red Bull just being Red Bull. This is what they do. This shouldn't be that surprising. But two, getting Daniel Ricciardo back behind the wheel of a Formula One car benefits them through his charisma and popularity, but it also means that they could be planning some bigger things for him if Checo doesn't really work out. Now, do I feel bad for Nick DeVries? Sure. I mean, anytime a rookie driver who earns his Formula One dream and sees it over 10 races into the season, I'm not exactly happy for him because I know how cutthroat this business is. I mean, think about it for a second. I mean, Nick DeVries is going to be in an inner circle, and he is an experienced Formula One driver, but we also know that this is a ruthless business. He may never get behind the wheel of a Formula One car again. That is a possibility. And when you spend your whole life gearing towards that goal and you've had that goal and it's taken away from you because you made a decision to go with a team that has done this in the past to its drivers, this should have been on the radar for Nick DeVries. He should have been able to say, look, I'd love to race in the Red Bull machine. i got a lot of confidence in myself, but I also know that if I don't perform, they are quick on the trigger rather than other teams that may want to see me grow into that role, right? And that's the, that's the sort of scale that I'm measuring this against. Nick DeVries knew what he was getting into. His team knew what he was getting into signing up to be part of the Red Bull racing family, but also on the other hand, 10 races and you cut him on a B team. That is crazy. That is crazy. But we also understand what Red Bull is doing. The big picture is always going to be making sure that that team, whoever is Max Verstappen's teammate, right, is capable of producing Constructors Championships year in and year out. Right now, Max Verstappen could win the Constructors on his own, but that's not the formula for success in Formula One years in and year out, right? That's not the way you do it. You do it by having a solid team. Of course, you want individual champions. Of course, Max Verstappen is going to win multiple titles during his career, but it's not always guaranteed that that driver wins constructors championships if the teammate is failing to deliver solid results so is this a wake-up call for Sergio Perez it sure is is it a gift to have Daniel Ricciardo back in Formula One of course it is is it tough for Nick DeVries to be out of a ride 10 races in of course but all of these things should not have been too surprising given the warnings they gave DeVries to make sure you keep up with Yuki Sonoda And by the way, Sonoda didn't have a good finish at Silverstone, as I mentioned earlier in the team report card, but he has had a solid year. He is hovering around that 10th, 11th, 12th position. And I think that that's why other drivers have said, you know, hey, the surprise of the year is Yuki Sonoda and how good he is performing this year. You know, you got to dig into the numbers a little bit, but I've been saying it all season. I think Yuki Sonoda is having a fantastic season and it's clear that he benefited from having a guy under him rather than being under someone else like under Pierre Gasly before Gasly moved on to Alpine but Daniel Ricciardo is back in Formula One it does come at a cost I feel bad because again I can only imagine being a a driver getting your first you know go around Formula One and you look on the calendar and there's a home date for you and now he's not going to be participating in that that's got to be crushing absolutely crushing and also the idea that you know you can get to the highest form of motorsports in the world, and it can be taken away from you, and you don't necessarily have a path to get back. But, well, again, Daniel Ricciardo back in Formula One, and we will see him race in the Alfa in Budapest in just a couple of weeks. We will have a preview of that race coming up just prior to the weekend in Hungary. All right, if you'd like to reach me, you can do so on Twitter at Tony D Radio. You can email this podcast at Tony D Radio Show at Yahoo.com. If you have any questions about Formula One, I'd be more than happy to answer them for you on this podcast. Again, we'll be back uh, in about a week and a half or so for our preview of the Hungarian Grand Prix – From Budapest, I'm Tony Daziri. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the podcast. It is the Overtake F1 podcast.